Jay O'Hanlon, you're an Irish Jesuit theologian and you have been reading Gaudete et Exultate, uh, Rejoice and Be Glad, uh, the latest apostolic letter of Pope Francis. You're finding a lot of reasons to be glad when you're reading this? Yeah, I suppose one of the things that struck me first was how daring it is in this age of secularization and this age of pessimism to come out and say what the Lord wants from us is everything. He's not cutting it down at all, making no apologies. We're called to be holy. And that's the full gospel. And he's making that call in such an attractive kind of way. And also saying in the midst of all this geopolitical gloom and the up cry around social media and so on, that if we answer that call, far from it being a path which will cause us great grief, it'll make us happy and fulfilled. He's not saying by any means that it'll always be easy because he's very realistic in the document, but he is saying that this is what gives us joy because this is what we're made for. And I find it very refreshing, apart from the detail of the text itself, which which is wonderful, but just that he would take that approach, I think, is wonderful. Yeah, because sometimes in the past, Christianity has been accused of being a religion of mother of sorrows and this Mm. is the veil of tears Mm. and we'll wait till the next life to be happy. Mm. But he is really saying your happiness starts here. Suffering does not necessarily exclude joy and in fact you can be suffering and experience joy. Exactly and it's very interesting because it is the third of a trilogy if you like of apostolic exhortations and they all have titles of joy. The joy of the gospel and then the joy of love and now you have this one which is talking about basically the joy of holiness and he's very interesting because he's going back all the time to the Second Vatican Council and in the decree on the church in the Second Vatican Council was made very clear that holiness is a call to all the baptised. So this distinction which people had in their minds, I think, that priests and bishops and religious were called to be holy and that lay people in some way were second-class Christians. He completely demolishes that. And he does it in a lovely way because he says sometimes people think that because a mother has to look after children or has to go out and work in the workforce, that that's a distraction. That's not a distraction. That's where life is. And he has a lovely piece in number 16 where he talks about the holiness of small gestures. He's well aware that sometimes in life there are major things and big things that we have to face, but very often life is about much smaller things. And he talks about an example. He says, a woman goes shopping. She meets a neighbour. They begin to speak. The gossip starts. But she says in her heart, no, I will not speak badly of anyone. And he says, that's a step forward in holiness. Later at home, one of her children wants to talk to her about his hopes and dreams. She's very tired, but she sits down and listens with patience and love. That's another step to holiness. Later, she gets a bit worried herself about life in general. But recalling the love of the Virgin Mary, she takes her rosary and prays with faith. Another step. And then later still, this is a busy day for this woman. She goes out into the street, encounters a poor person and stops to say a kind word to him. One more step. I think it's lovely because he talks about Thomas Aquinas, he talks about all the different Episcopal conferences, India, New Zealand and so on. He talks about St. Augustine, Hans Urs von Balthasar. But he's, he's talking to each one in a very simple way. He's well able to be learned, but at the same time he's talking in a way that people can understand. And he breaks down this holiness and he says, look, you have to discern 
what's the right path for you in your holiness. And it will be in your job or in your marriage or in your singleness in life. And for a priest, it's, it's, it's a different path. And for a bishop, it's a different path. Yeah, that's very welcome, isn't it? Because he is saying that you are not called to be the little flower who practiced her small way or trees of Avila or St. Augustine. You're called to be you. Your holiness is your wholeness, the fullness of who you are. That's very comforting, particularly when, once again, we have been given and held up a lot of models of saints mm. who a large number of them are either virgins mm. or men mm. or unreachable. Mm. And mm. he's saying that mm. every one of us can be a saint. Yeah, and he does hold up those other saints, the canonized and the beatified, but he, he talks about the saint next door. So the saint in your own family, the, the very ordinary person, and exactly like you say, he's talking about each one's path is his or her own path. Absolutely unique. Now, what is common is, and he, he says, this is not a treatise, it's not a learner thing, it's a reproposal of what it is to be holy in today's world. And he builds it around the Beatitudes in St. Matthew's Gospel. And particularly then, that's in Matthew 5 and 6 and 7. But then Matthew 25, the last judgment scene, where Jesus rewards those who have had an eye out for the poor in particular. But I think for young people, it's a wonderful challenge as well. It's countercultural. So it's not those who are aggressive, who are violent, who are looking for power. It's the meek. It's those who are poor. It's those who thirst for justice. And of course, there will be the cross involved in that. So he's right in at the heart of the gospel. He doesn't shirk the fact that this will cause conflict and will cause suffering and so on. But he's full of the fact that this is where the resurrection happens too, where there's joy, where there's happiness, being true to yourself. And he's a lovely meditation about the Beatitudes and about things like perseverance. And he talks about the signs of, of holiness. And among them are joy and a sense of humour. Perseverance, because you know even when things are going against you that God's love is there for you. And he talks about prayer, of course, and that you do this with other people. So in some sense, in, in a community, not just isolated on your own. So it's a very good description of holiness in a way very different from the old treatises, which seem to make it something unattainable or out there for other people. Or as you say, these models who don't really impact on their own lives. This is for everyone in their ordinary life. You've lived a long while before you have heard a Pope talk about the importance of a sense of humour in, in holiness. And yet it is something that is unique to human beings, is that we can laugh. And, you know, I know from myself from the North and people who have gone through terrible suffering, they'll often tell you the thing that got them through was a sense of humour. Mm. Absolutely. And he does quote St. Philip Neri there, who is a saint well known for a sense of humour, and he goes to him. But it's clear that it's in everyday life. And it's one of the interesting things that he does say on the the warnings he gives. Most of this is very positive. But he warns us against, he's, he talks about two heresies. One is Gnosticism and the other is Pelagianism. And by Gnosticism, he means those who think they have a special infused knowledge of God, which is different from the messy kind of knowledge we get in ordinary life and through the scriptures and so on. And he says sometimes it's kind of an elite thing. And they hold on to doctrines in a very tight way that reduces God. God, in fact, is mystery, is surprise, is transcendent. 
And so our teaching, which is important, and our searching for God should always be open-ended. And the Pelagian is one who, it's not so much knowledge here, it's will. It's your whole attitude that you can do this on your own. And even though people sometimes say we're trusting in God, in fact, you can see by the way they, they hold on to things and judge others, particularly judge others' ways of living. And he, he talks about people who have these kind of tendencies, if you like, are obsessed with law, they're obsessed with doctrine, they're obsessed with liturgical rituals, with ways of dressing, with looking for power. And he says, there's something missing there. It's not in the gospel. When I read it, I was really reminded of a neighbour of ours out in Cherry Orchard the other day. I was talking to her, Esther, and she was just commenting on what's happening in the church at the moment. And in her own way, she had got to the point of saying, some of those people use their learning as a weapon. That she was a grandmother at this stage. I'm heterosexual, she says, but I know people now who are gay. And I know that that's the way they are. and That's who they are. And who am I to judge that kind of reality in other people's lives? And she says, that's what I pick up from the Pope. And these other people seem to want to cut that down. They're using their learning to diminish people and to throw weapons at them. And I thought it was a very good example of how the Pope instinctively is appealing to people of ordinary faith. It can, of course, be explained then in theological language, but... He's warning us against a kind of theological rigidity, and I think that's very helpful as well. And of course, when you'd mentioned the Beatitudes there, and then he says if he has to single one out, of course, he, he singles out the, his beloved and another beloved theme as well as joy, and that is of mercy. And it says two aspects of mercy. He speaks about that. Yeah, he's very, very strong, of course, on mercy. And that's been the centre of so much, the joy of the gospel and the the joy of love. And he talks a lot about um, the forgiveness that goes with mercy and the lack of judgment that goes with mercy. And I think it's interesting because he can combine that with then warning us against one of the things that he's very interesting about is talking about social media and just the aggression and the violence that's on social media at times, just the way people seem to feel free to speak very ill of other people. And he's saying, look, that's not according to the Beatitudes. It's not according to the mind of God. It's not a merciful. And of course, you'll be laughed at because you're not joining in, if you like. But in fact, that's how the Christian, the Catholic, if you like, is following the Lord and will get ridicule at times by being true to their principles. But it's the Lord who is merciful and who, if you like, he's going right to the heart of the gospel as opposed to other bits and pieces which, however important, are subordinate. Yeah, he says the Beatitudes is where you'll find who Christ is, you Mm. know, what Christ stands for, what is at Mm. the core of what Mm. he teaches and believes. And if you're to be a follower, Mm. that's your blueprint as well. Mm. And that's a tall order. And yet in the document, he breaks it down into these simple, ordinary acts of everyday life. Mm. And you mentioned gossip. He, he's mentioned gossip before. Mm. He certainly is somebody who mm. seems to know the power of mm. the word, the harsh word, the mm. lie, maybe, or mm. the innuendo. Yeah, he's very strong in what he calls sins against the Eighth Commandment. So defamation, rash judgment, anything like that, he really doesn't doesn't like. And I suppose he's very welcoming of, of open discussion and even disagreement but he wants to model a way of doing that 
And I think one of the things that comes true in the signs of holiness is this notion of patience and perseverance and patience with oneself that one, one doesn't reproduce the mind of Christ just like that. For most of us, it takes time and we make mistakes. And he's wonderful uh, in terms of the knowledge and theology and so on. He says, if you have a theology and a knowledge that knows all the answers, you're surely wrong. <laughs> So you have to allow room for doubts and questioning and searching. And that's a much more healthy attitude. And then towards the end, when he, he talks about how one gets to this point, he's very interesting because he, he goes back to what some will say is an old fashioned thing about be vigilant, because he's very strong about the, there is real evil out there, even to the extent of saying that evil, it's not enough just to say that evil is impersonal. So he wants in some way to bring the devil back in. It's a very interesting kind of comment, but also then the importance of discernment. And that's true to his own Ignatian Jesuit heritage, if you like. And he's advising people to do the, he called, it's called in the translation, the examination of conscience every day, but to have some kind of a daily looking for how God has been in my life. And he says, if you're faithful to that, you'll grow and it'll be a gradual growth, but it'll be a sure growth in the footsteps of, of the Lord. So it's a very attractive, it's like a series of, homilies which a good parish priest who knows the congregation very well is giving and he'll all the time say we or you he'll address people directly and it's just so attractive and so challenging at the same time and as I say makes no apologies you think in an age of secularization that you might be saying to Christians or to young people yes live your lives and so on but give a little time to God no no you give everything to God and and that's how you're true to yourself and that's how you're true to being fully human as well so well worth a read. It's not a long document and mm. very, very accessible. I think the mm. two biggest words you used there, the Gnosticism mm. and Pelagianism, mm. has been explained. Mm. And for anybody mm. to take it up and savour it mm. as a real a hopeful, joyful document mm. about us all being called to be mm. saints. Yeah, and I do think it's the most accessible of all his documents and it's the most direct and a lot of his kind of very down-to-earth examples are given. And I think for anyone, it'll recall to them what they really... I mean, I think any of us, when we were kids and we were first introduced to the faith, were open to doing great things. And it's like over time you begin to say, oh, I can't really be a saint or I can't give everything or whatever. He's recalling us to that and at the same time knowing that we're weak and that we're limited. So I think it's very refreshing and for people to read a bit each day or to read it once a week or those of us who can go off on retreats, it's ideal for that because it's so accessible and at the same time so central and so profound. <laughs> 